should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadow come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he.
Thank you, thank you. If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to Genesis 50, verse 20. The title of my message today is, Why is this happening to me? The text reads this way. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Have you ever asked yourself the question, or maybe I should say, have you asked yourself this question this week? Uh, why is this happening to me? Have you ever had some other folks cause a lot of problems in your life? A prime example of suffering from the troubles brought on by other people is Joseph, as described, of course, in Genesis 50. As you recall, Joseph was the second youngest of 12 brothers. There was a lot of sibling rivalry going on in that family. The older brothers began to get very, very jealous as it was very obvious that the father loved Joseph twice as much, three times as much, four times as much as any of the rest of them. And of course, after a while, that irritated them. And they got madder and madder and madder about it. When the problem came to a head, the brothers threw Joseph into a pit and left him there to die. But some traveling merchants were moving through the area, some folks from Egypt, and the brothers got together and said, well, why don't we just sell Joseph to them? Uh, that'll help us financially, and we won't have to kill him. So Joseph's older brother sold him to these foreign merchants who took him away as a slave to Egypt. So now Joseph is in a foreign country. He doesn't know one person in the whole place. He doesn't know one word of their language. Of course, he learned all of that, but at first it was just horrible. He was a slave in that land. Nothing seemed to be going right. On top of that, all of a sudden, his master's wife comes and she tries to seduce him. After he refuses, she falsely says, well, he raped me. And then they come and take Joseph and throw him in jail. He is lonely. He is hurting. Every thing that has happened to him, one right after another, were horrible. He could say, why is this happening to me? Have you been there? Have you been right at that place where it wasn't your fault you failed and yet things were just falling together against you? Have all the storm clouds gathered over your head? But notice Joseph's attitude years later as he talks to his brothers about the whole situation. He said, you intended this to harm me, but God used it. God intended for it to be for good in Genesis 50, 20. Well, why is Joseph able to hang in there? How could he do it? How could he stand up under all that stuff? 
and just seemed to be uh, moving along pretty well. How could he do that? Well, there's three reasons. And I want to talk with you about those three reasons this morning because these are three reasons that we can use in our life today when we face problems and difficulties and troubles that come our way. Number one, Joseph knew that God sees everything that we go through and that he cares about us. He really loves us. He sent his son to Calvary's cross for us. He loves us. He knows everything that's going on in our life, and yet he still is standing right beside us, caring about us, loving us through it all. There's an important phrase that is found five times in the Bible about the life of Joseph. Each time this phrase occurs, it's right after a major defeat or a major crisis in Joseph's life. Here's the phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph. Even when everything was going wrong, the scripture says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him and Joseph knew that God was with him. And that's how he could stand up under all the stress and duress that he had. That's the reason that he could be strong in the midst of a lot of terrible things that were going on against him. The second thing, Joseph recognized that God had given everybody freedom of choice. You know, we were not intended to be robots. Or puppets. You know, puppets are on little strings, and, and somebody, of course, is moving the strings around, and, and then the puppet moves when the string is moved. God does not intend for us to be puppets or to be robots. God gave all of us a free will, a freedom of choice. When we choose to ignore what's right, when we obviously move away from what God would have us to be and to do, God does not force his will on us. Often, when we bring a problem upon ourselves, we blame God as if it's his fault and not our fault. God gets blamed for a lot of things that he has never caused. When we see a major accident, maybe it's out on the highway and three or four people are killed, or we see a tragedy on the news or in the newspaper, or we find out about a problem that transpired in, in Tampa or Orlando or somewhere, or we, we know of a crisis where a lot of people are hungry or they're hurt or something like that. We try and sound spiritual in conversation and say, well, it must have been God's will. As if God gets enjoyment out of planning these mistakes and heartaches. The fact is that God's will is not always done. God has a will for all of our lives. There's no question about that. When we choose to go our own way, he chooses to limit himself. And he lets us go in the way that we choose. He allows us the freedom of choice to make mistakes and to cause problems in our own lives. You say, 
Preacher, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, let me illustrate it another way. Suppose you have a child, and the child is one year old, and you reach down and you grab their legs and you grab their arms and you move their legs and you're trying to teach them how to walk. And you keep doing that. And then they start walking. But you keep reaching over and guiding their feet, guiding their legs, guiding their arms. And you keep doing that up through their teen years. You're right there with them every second of the day. You want them to do what you want them to do. Is is that the way to parent correctly? Of course not. We want to back off. We want to limit our power, if you will. And we want to let our child grow up. We want them to become a self-responsible person. And that's what God wants of us. He limits himself. He has all power, no question about that. He is sovereign, no question about that. He he has all the power in heaven on earth. He is all powerful, but he chooses to limit his power and allow us to make our own choices. He allows us freedom of choice. He allows us to do some wrong things. Those thousands of people who were killed on 9-11, that was not God's will. God also allows people uh, that are not around us, people in other parts of the world. He allows them to have free choices. And from their mistakes, of course, we can be hurt. In Joseph's situation, his brothers willfully chose to plot against him. This was terrible, but God allowed it because God didn't want to make people puppets. The third thing that Joseph recognized was that God is in ultimate control of the final outcome. God can take all of our mistakes and all of our sins and all of our crosswords and all of our uh, wrong actions He can take all of that and turn it around and bring good out of it. God will take every bad thing that's happened to you, and if you'll work with him, he'll turn it around so that it works out very, very well for you in the end. We think everything is falling apart in our lives, and everything is just going to get worse and worse and worse. That's not true. If we hang on to the Lord, if we continue to have faith, if we continue to dedicate ourselves to him, God has the final say about every conclusion of life and the beginning of every new life. Joseph was nearly killed. He was sold into slavery. He was accused of rape. He was thrown into prison. All of these terrible things that happened to him up until this point. But God took these tragedies and he turned them around and brought much good out of all that had happened. While Joseph was in prison, he made friends with a right-hand man of Pharaoh himself. And when this man was restored to power, Pharaoh had a dream. And he asked all the wise men in the country, he said, what does this dream mean? 
and he would describe it, and nobody could tell him. Well, the man that was in prison with Joseph, he knew that Joseph had the ability to explain dreams. And so he told Pharaoh about that. Pharaoh called for Joseph, and Joseph went to the palace, and he interpreted the dream. He said, Pharaoh, God is telling you that there is going to be a seven-year period of time beginning right now, and everything in the fields is going to just grow uh, more than it has ever grown before. Everything is going to just multiply over and over again. You're going to have seven years of the very best harvest that you have ever had in the history of this country. But then, there's going to be seven years of famine. And nothing's going to grow. Everything is going to be terrible. So what you've got to do is prepare during the first seven years for the next seven years. Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph that he could interpret his dream that he made him second in command over all of Egypt. Joseph went from being a foreign slave in prison to the second greatest leader in the whole country of Egypt. And by doing so, he saved Egypt. During those horrible seven years that nothing would grow, they had lockers full of food that they had saved during those first seven years. He saved all the people of Egypt and all the people from several other nations that were around there. And guess where else? Israel. The folks in Israel were starving. But there was plenty of food in Egypt. So people kept going down. They kept going down to buy some food to prevent their whole family from starving to death. God sees what's going on. He gives us a free choice. He rarely intervenes against our free will. God has limited himself. He, as I've said, is sovereign. He has all power in heaven and on earth. And God will use even our bad choices and the bad things that happen to us to turn things around and to work them out for good if we will work with him. That's what Joseph did. And look what God did. God placed him in a place where he could be introduced to Pharaoh, where he could come in and and translate uh, the dream, where he could cause literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people to live, and he could be raised to the second highest position in the land. That's why Joseph could say near the end of his life, you meant this to harm me, but God meant it for good. The only way God can turn it for good was for Joseph to hang on, for Joseph to continue to show his faith and his trust in Almighty God, even when he didn't understand all that was going on. That's what we have to do. We have to hang on. There might be somebody in the congregation this morning that's going through a tremendous time of trial. 
Every Sunday I learn about someone else that is having a terrible physical problem or a relational problem or a financial problem, this kind of problem, that kind of problem. And in the middle of all that, sometimes we want to just get real mad and cuss and walk away and all that sort of stuff. How much does that help? It doesn't help at all. What does help? To do what Joseph did. To hang on, even though you don't understand all of what's happening. To hang on and to keep your faith and your trust in Almighty God. God is not through when you're in the middle of the time of trouble. Perhaps today, for one or two or ten of you, I don't know, is a time when you're trying to make some great decisions in your life. Maybe you're the victim of a situation that you did not cause. Well, consider Joseph's reaction. He did not give in to self-pity. If you are in a problem or a trial right right now, you cannot afford to go into self-pity. That's one of the major causes of depression in our land. Usually, when we are in a serious problem, our self-esteem goes down to a very low ebb. We start condemning ourselves and putting ourselves down, thinking, I must have brought all this terrible stuff on myself. And we end up holding a pity party for ourselves. Joseph didn't do that. He didn't blame himself. The crisis he was in was not his fault, and he knew it. When a boat is facing a storm, how in the world do you live through it? You turn the boat so it faces the wind, so it faces the waves, and you go right straight in to the big waves that are coming in your direction. That's the way you do it. If you let the boat turn sideways, then it's going to capsize, And you and the ship will be lost. When the storms of life begin to settle in on us, and it seems like the waves of that storm are raging, and maybe even getting bigger, it seems, day by day, the best way to overcome them is to face them head on. You are currently, perhaps, in a period of discouragement because you're going through a a trial and you're asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Often we get discouraged. We're tempted to say, well, I just quit. I just quit. Or I'm going to move. I don't like the way things are going here. I'm just going to move. Or we might say, I'm just going to get a divorce. Or we might say, well, I'm going to cuss out that neighbor that's giving me a terrible time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Never make a major decision when you're depressed. Because at that time, you cannot exercise accurate judgment. Your focus is blurry. And your perspective is distorted. There's another thing that we see in Joseph's life that made all those things uh, were going wrong, that made them understandable. He did not give in to bitterness. After many years, Joseph met his brothers again. 
They had to go down to Egypt for food. They came in begging. They said, where do you go to get food down here? We hear there's food down here. Where do we go? And they all pointed toward Pharaoh's palace. And so that's where they went. As they entered Joseph's presence, bowing before him, bowing all the way to the floor, Joseph, second in command in the whole country, they failed to recognize him as their younger brother. When he tried to tell them who he was, they were shocked and they were scared. Here was a brother that they had tried to kill earlier in his life. And now they were bowing down to him. But Joseph forgave them. He had forgiven them years before. Joseph knew that you cannot afford the excess baggage of bitterness in your life. What should we do when we are tempted to be very, very bitter about some situation? We need to turn it over to the Lord. That's what Joseph did. He maintained his faith, his hope in God. He really believed that things were going to work out beautifully in the end. And guess what? They did. When things go wrong, we often reject the very person that we need the most. We reject the Lord God Almighty. When a problem comes into your life, you may start saying, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You may rebel against God as if it were his fault. Instead, you should say, Lord, I'm having a big problem here. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Lord, I have this big problem, and I need your help. I'm going to give you this issue, and I'm going to try and follow as you lead me through it. God can take situations that are totally bad and turn them around. When people use situations to try to destroy you, God can use those same situations to develop you. He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. The Bible not only gives us answers to the reasons for suffering, but it also gives us practical help and comfort when we are experiencing the suffering. There's another major source of strength that should help each one of us when we have to go through a crisis in our life. It's the people of God, the local church. Every church across this great land ought to be a caring community of individuals where the people love each other, support each other, pray for each other, laugh with each other, and if needs be, cry with each other. The cross is the ultimate example of people planning things for evil but God working them out for good. Today, I don't know where you are in in your life's uh, journey. Uh, Maybe there's just a few that are having a hard time. 
But I want to encourage you as strongly as I can to give it to the Lord and to trust in him. Maybe today in our service there are folks that are here that have been coming for a period of time. You've heard the gospel preached. You've heard the plan of salvation. Dr. Laidlaw laid that out very carefully for everybody last Sunday. Maybe today would be a day of reaping where we could understand the process and we could get involved in making the the steps and making the decisions that God would have us to make to be drawn closer unto him. Maybe today there are those that have been coming for a period of time and you're already a believer. You know the Lord very, very well. And we want to encourage you to come and join with us and help us as we try and reach out and minister to this whole area of Florida. If the Spirit of God is leading you, I pray that today you would listen to the urging of the Holy Spirit in your heart and you would respond accordingly. I'm going to stand down at the front. We're going to sing a hymn. If the Lord leads, you just slip out, slip forward, and take a stand. Christ. Let's stand together as we sing.